Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. In this episode, I spoke with the two founders, that's right, two people, uh, the two founders, Danielle and Julie, of a brand new dating app, Foreplay. It's a new dating app focused on double dates. In this episode, we covered some really great topics such as how they came up with the idea of building a double dating app from their own personal journey and experience, and how they also managed to build an app with no experience in tech whatsoever or startups themselves, being healthcare professionals. And also the journey of the app now growing massively across multiple continents and what is next for them. It was a great you know, insight and a great sort of conversation. We've never had a dating app on the podcast before. Um, so yeah, it's just something a bit different that I really enjoyed. And so that brings me to this week's shout out. So in case you don't know, every week I'm doing a shout out to someone who's left a written review on Apple Podcasts as a way of saying thank you. I don't think I did one last week, I forgot. But we're back again this week, so we're doing them. And so this week is going to one that was actually left in 2020 by Annie, who says, really insightful podcast, especially for those wanting to start a business. I am especially enjoying the food-related podcast as this is the area I would like to venture into. The podcast provides great information you wouldn't be able to get anywhere else. Thank you so much, Annie, for that comment. It's really nice that you, that to hear that you enjoy the food-related podcast. Um, I've had quite a few of them, actually, in recent times. So uh, I think more of them are coming into the future. So, so yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. And in case you don't follow the Instagram, all of you, that's where you can basically keep up to date with any new episodes that, get, that come up along with any sort of previews, all that good stuff, so you can be kept in the loop of any new podcasts that come up. So yeah, that's that's all it is from me. Let's get on with the episode. Okay, hey, Danielle, Julie, how are you doing? We're we are great. good. Thank you so much for having us on your podcast. No, it's my absolute pleasure. And thank you for reaching out to come on. Like, it's, it's a real pleasure for me to have you guys on because we were talking about this before we hit record, but... I've never had a, a dating app on, on the podcast before. Like I always get surprised because I always think that I've covered everything and then someone reach, reaches out to me with something that I've never even, I don't know, like a dating app isn't, isn't something that's like, I guess the, the first thing that you ever discover, but it's like, didn't really expect it. So it's good to have you on. Well, I've always wanted to be someone's first. So thank you. <laughs> And I and I love talking about foreplay. So <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I guess you guys can just take the lead from now. Like, go go ahead, talk about what is foreplay for people who don't know. So foreplay is a double dating app, and it was created by me, Danielle, and my best friend Julie. And we um, we made this app where you can team up with your other single friends, and you can create a shared dating profile, and then swipe through other teams of singles and go on double dates. It's a safer and more fun, less um, serious uh, way of dating. Using dating apps previously, not at the moment, but like before, I guess, like this sort of feature is always sort of ind- individual. And I, I guess, yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't been built in because double dating is, I mean, it's been around for, for ages. I don't know why, I guess, it hasn't been cracked. And I guess for you guys, you were, you were like the first ones that discovered that, that it wasn't really working. You know, it was, it was very individual focused. So... So is that how, like, kind of how you got the idea? I mean, to be totally transparent, we thought we created this idea. Yeah, we, we, when we, we thought la- we did. <laughs> when we launched the app, we were like, you know, how has nobody thought of this? But then the more research that we did, there have been other double dating apps, but they they didn't succeed. Um, they had a closed shop. So we're not entirely sure why, because so far, so good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gotten a lot of really great feedback. 
Um, and our users really do like love the whole experience. But you're right. The way the dating apps are now, it's very individualized. I know some of the bigger ones tried to do a, something like this. I think Tinder Social was out for a little bit, but um, it didn't have the same type of traction, uh, I guess, because it's not really their personality. So unlike the other dating apps, like we're strictly double dating. It's our whole personality. It's our whole brand. The whole vibe is you and your friends. Um, and I think it's also super authentic that that is the brand because the the two co-founders are two best friends. <laughs> so yeah. so that's that's kind of where it comes from. That's the foundation is friendship. Yeah. So you guys wanted to go double dating, you know, before before this app even started. Like that's where the idea came from. You wanted to double date yourselves like with each other and meet meet guys that way. Exactly. Right? Yes. So what we did was we created a shared dating profile. There was a there was a dating app that both of us were very familiar with. It's a big common dating app, well-known dating app. And we decided that we would just combine profiles. <laughs> and so I changed my profile to one that featured both Julie and myself and put pictures of the two of us and wrote swipe right if you and your awesome friend want to double date me and my awesome friend. And then it was just such a, such a success. We had so many guys messaging and saying that they were interested, guys asking us out on double dates, guys asking for other things also that we had to steer clear from. But <laughs> we definitely got a really positive response. And that's when we kind of started just thinking about how interesting it would be to have an app, but not actually pulling the trigger yet because we both are healthcare professionals. So that didn't seem feasible. But um, that's when we kind of, the wheels started turning, like, wow, this is a pretty solid idea. And like, here's the proof of concept. Here are all these people who like it. I guess you didn't know that at the time, but you were, in a way, testing the market and you were testing it in probably the, like the best way possible. You were testing it with existing or, or cheap tech, which is, you know, I guess Tinder or Bumble or whatever you're using, like you're not paying for that. And your your customers or your target audience are the people that are matching you. So it's like you're actually, you you validated the market really well and you I guess you've gathered data from the people that have matched you and you I guess you've spoken to them and said, you know, I guess they were interested. So I guess for you it's like validation immediately. Yeah, exactly. We call it we say that we were beta testing. We were <laughs> we were going on double dates with guys and um you know, they were literally telling us you girls should make this an app. Like this is so fun. Um, and even now people tell, like people message us and say that all the apps are kind of stale and they're ready for something fresh. So they love that we're bringing something new to the dating scene. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you must've got some, Danielle, you, you, you alluded to earlier, but you must've got some absolutely dodgy messages from, from that. What's funny also <laughs> is that we had a launch party in New York city and we sold tickets. I mean, we we every it was free to come to the launch party, but we put tickets on a website, Eventbrite. I'm not sure if you use it in the UK, but um, people who bought the tickets definitely thought that they were buying tickets to like one giant orgy because <laughs> when we showed up at our own party, there were a lot of dodgy people there. And I mean, we, there were there were there was also a very large community of singles looking to double date, but there were people who definitely were confused by the name. So now we try now we we kind of understand that the name alone can connote something other than what we want it to. So now we kind of lead with we're a double dating app called Foreplay rather than Foreplay is a double dating app. <laughs> well, we are Foreplay instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You launched, so that was the launch party. So I guess going a bit before that, so I guess you're going on these double dates with these guys and they were kind of really pushing you to to develop this app. 
but you guys, you guys are healthcare professionals. Like, I want to, I want to talk about this for a bit because I guess it's a fun idea doing this like double dating thing on an existing dating app. But it's like, how did you, I guess, all these guys pushing you? But what actually like clicked for you to to take that step of actually, okay, we're gonna build this app. Yeah. So it definitely took a lot of pushing to get Danielle on board. She was not <laughs> trying to do this. Basically, you know, my family was. My family thought that we should make it into an app. They kept saying, my brother kept saying, you need to make this an app before somebody else does. And I kept saying, Danielle, like, maybe we should make this an an app. And she kept being like, okay, like, you know, I'm not interested in being in your family group chats. Like, you guys are so... You guys are blowing up my phone with these chats. Leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah. So she was like, I can't be in another, like, Griggs family group chat. You guys are outrageous. (laughs) So um, I came home one day and I was like, my brother, like, he got it we're going to call it foreplay. And Danielle was like, I'm in. <laughs> Just so. from the name. That's Just from the name. While you're on the podcast. When so I, I mean, it, it makes sense. That's all we needed to tell her was that it was going to be called I foreplay. I wanted to be associated with an app called foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of actually like turning it into a business, it was, uh, it was an experience for us because we had zero experience in, in the tech industry and in startups. Um, luckily our families were both super, super supportive and, um, our siblings stepped up to help, um, Danielle's sister and my brother both use their experience in, um, the tech startup world and in marketing and brand consulting that they were able to guide us. And it's actually pretty amazing when we look back on it now, like where we were versus where we are now, Mm -hmm. when we were having phone calls with, um, developers we were ha- we were having to hang up and then <laughs> google the words that they they like so what copy do you want we were like what's copy? what is copy if you work in healthcare you've never heard the word copy before <laughs> so we've definitely learned a lot it's been quite the learning curve it's just text isn't it just copy, exactly isn't it? but i mean for, it's it's just the, it's just the lingo that you don't pick up in, in any other industry right. because it's just I guess it's just very different, but it's the same thing. If, if like, I guess people came into healthcare, you'd say you'd say things that they wouldn't understand. So it's like, yeah, it's just a language, right? Exactly. <laughs> like if someone was like eructation, it's like, what does that mean? But it's <laughs> it's a hiccup, <laughs> right? And what's funny is like, I do see my patients do things like that, where like they learn a new word and now like they're calling it by the nickname and like think it's like they're just using it in every other sentence like i have patients who call their obstetricians like oh my ob my ob my ob and it's like did you know what an ob was like before before you decided to get pregnant and i feel like i feel like it's the same for us we started like we learned the word brand and then it was like brand this brand that that's off brand let's make a brand document <laughs> Are you two? Are you two still in healthcare? Yeah, we are. So we transitioned to be part-time healthcare providers so that we could work on foreplay full-time. Uh, total transparency: we never planned to do that. Like we were, we were like, we're gonna just do healthcare. We're gonna do this on the side. We're gonna make it happen. And people said it was gonna be really difficult. Um, and we proved them wrong for a while. We were able to. I was able to work, you know, full-time as a primary care healthcare provider, but. We just hit a point now, which is a good place to be at, where the company is growing and it is um, becoming a data, more day-to-day activities and needing to stay on top of data. And it's not a weekend job. It's not a weekend job, and which is really exciting, but it's also overwhelming because we're like, oh, are we actually about to go part-time as healthcare providers? Like we worked so hard to get into the healthcare field, but 
we do both. We're bootstrapping. We're completely self-funded. So we are still working so that we can afford to do foreplay. I guess, you know, we, we talked about it before. You, your backgrounds aren't in this. And it's like, I guess you leveraged very heavily, like, I guess, your family and, and their experience. But it's, I guess, what were the biggest sort of like lessons that you learned that led to all that growth? Like, because growth doesn't just come from like a good idea. It, it depends on like how well you execute it with, you know, good marketing or, you know, good customer experience and stuff like that. So what do you attribute mm. to that growth? I love that question. That is such an important question that I don't think a lot of people have asked us. I think something that we are pretty good at is taking risks and being like, we should just try it. Like Responsible what, risks. Responsible risks. Yeah. I think that we, which kind of is an oxymoron, but I think it really does make sense. Like we, I think we know that we don't know anything and we know that the only way we're going to learn is by trial and error. So rather than like not challenging ourselves and not growing. We've said, let's try this. It might be a flop, but it's going to teach us a big lesson. Like we're going to understand so much more after trying this. So we've, we've tried a lot on for size and like, and even within the company, the roles that we play, it was like, first we were kind of delegating to like our brothers and sisters. And then we were like, okay, let's just try to keep it in the company. Okay. That's not working. There have been a lot of changes that we've just continued to keep trying something else, trying something else, trying something else and, and finding where our strong spots are. Yeah. I think also something that really helped us and helps us on a daily basis is how generous everyone in the startup world is. Yes. Um, I think they, like when people have had their own startup, they know the the struggle mm-hmm. of, of be, trying to be an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur. So anyone that offers us, you know, free advice or a free phone call or anything, like we take it, even if we don't necessarily agree with what they tell us, it was still an opportunity for us to learn from someone who's been where we are. Um, so I think that's been super helpful. And also people just being like, I have a great person to connect you to is, is I mean, it's really incredible how, how many generous, good, gracious people there are in the world. So that's really been awesome. And then just going off of what Danielle said, I think uh, a big thing for us has been understanding and acknowledging what each of our own strengths are because we're each skilled in different areas of the company and we stopped both trying to be control freaks and let it be that we can each kind of manage our own area of quote-unquote expertise we know where we each excel and we allow each other to fulfill those roles yeah that's really cool answer i really like your point about you know the the collaboration with like different startup founders or the people in entrepreneurship because i think that's something that doesn't really get a spotlight where how sort of supportive the the environment is like people are willing to give the time i think that the first obstacle you have to get across you have to get over is that you have to be willing to actually take feedback and take advice and stuff like that where, you know, people people are very reluctant on sh- on sharing certain ideas. I guess, you know, with your one, pe- you know, someone in your shoes might have been very reluctant of sharing that idea in case, you know, they, they directly copy it or like being too much of a control freak. They just don't want to listen to anything. So I think that's the first hurdle, but you're you're definitely right. The, the culture and the environment is so supportive. People are willing to give their time for sure. Absolutely. We used to be so, we used we to be so nervous. Yeah, we would be so paranoid about 
telling anyone our idea. When people yeah. would offer calls, we would be like NDA. Yeah, we were like, <laughs> should we make this an NDA? And um, someone that I was in my my graduate program with, he is an entrepreneur and had sold multiple companies and then went back to school in his in his late forties to become a physician assistant. But um, he was like, it's not the startup culture. No one is going to try to steal your idea. Like that's not what we're about. We're all about like collaborating and helping each other. And it's true. Everyone has been like super nice and generous. I guess I want to focus on like one or two things, I guess, that you've learned through that through that process and through, I guess, the collaboration. Because going back to the question of what attributed to that growth that led you to actually, I guess, go part time on your healthcare jobs, you know, jobs that you've worked so hard to actually get into. So I guess what are those like one or two things? Like the one or two things of like the pieces of advice or yeah like how other or like the things yeah. that you've seen that have led to led to more growth that could be like i guess changing branding or i don't know it could be anything that's a great question i what do you think you i think well i think that our brand has evolved greatly and mm-hmm. we've become more we have a better sense of identity um i think we got really good advice um about making a um customer profile and mm. learning who our user was, we were asked by somebody like, who's your user? And we were like, um, it's somebody in Manhattan who's like single. And they were like, no, <laughs> they were like, no, your answer should be it's this person who has either never been in a relationship or has been in a serious relationship or was just out of a serious relationship, lives alone, lives with friends, is college educated, is not college educated. Like, you need to answer all these questions. And then we had this moment when we were like, wow, like, we don't even know who our user is. Like that's a really, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, And then we started interviewing our users and building this customer profile. And now we know. And I think that once we knew, it changed everything for us. It changed how we were advertising, how we were were marketing ourselves, where we were doing it, how much we wanted to spend, how, how much each user costs us, how much we should be spending on users. It took everything and- turned it from abstract to concrete. Mm-hmm. That that same person that that gave us that advice, he he said and his name is Brian Scortado. He is amazing and he many many years ago developed a dating app. Um so that's why someone connected us with him. And he said when you get off the phone with a customer, write down exactly what the copy would be for the ad that you would say to speak to that person. Like write that down right away. And I that was just so incredibly helpful for us. Like now feeling as though when we write things, we're we're like envisioning the person who we're saying it to. Yeah, I think also something that's really important. I, we spoke about this on the previous uh, two episodes ago. We talked about customer profiles important, but you, you talked about stuff like uh, quantitative data. So stuff like, are they in a relationship? Like yes or no? Who Like how many people do they live with? Age range and stuff like that. But it's like another angle that I guess gets overlooked sometimes is the actual persona of that person. So what actually motivates them? Like what what do they value as a person? Do they value fun? Do they value intimacy? Like what sort of things drives them as a, as, a, as an individual? And I guess from you actually speaking to those people and I guess asking more qualitative features, you understood that person, you know, way better than you would if you were just like, okay, 20 to 25 female in Manhattan. Like, you'd understand them much more on a personal level. Yeah. Absolutely. Another mentor that we, an unofficial mentor that we met, she gave us the example about Nike, right? Is it Nike? Nike. That was Allie. That has the- My sister. That has the- I thought it was was Celine that told us about that. Um, That 
Nike has, you know, a in their office, I guess they used to before work from home, the what is it? The 13 year old boy's bedroom. And that's like their inspiration in the office, right? Because that's their that's their customer. Like they have this customer's bedroom on display at the Nike headquarters, which is wild. Yeah, that's mad. I didn't know that. I think also like something that was interesting for us to see is our users value friendship. They value friendship, I think, before romance. Like, I think that, like, they're obviously looking for something romantic because they're they're dating and inherent in dating is looking for romance. But I think the the part that evolved for us was that the app has become less about finding love and more about enjoying being single with your friends. But that's only an insight you would have picked up because, like, you spoke to people that's that's what i mean when we talk about customer personas because i guess that's where your customers and the people that use your app are different from the traditional sort of dating apps where i guess what motivates them is probably very different to the to the sort of people that come onto your app and what motivates them as well so i have you must have found that as well we have moments where we're you know we get nervous i think anyone would about one of the bigger dating apps trying to steal this idea um and do it on their own but it's it's not that it's not their brand like yeah. you know we joke like hinges hinges i don't know if, if hinge is popular in the uk but it's very popular here yeah, yeah well i think so. i never used it but it's yeah i think so my yeah. friends use it yeah and like <laughs> their their tagline is designed to be deleted which means that it's for people who are looking for something serious and want to get off the apps and delete it so it wouldn't make sense for hinge to then create this fun our Double, app is, our, our app is not like, designed to be deleted. No, it's it's dating just got two times better. Right. It's like this app is designed to be used over and over and over and over again. Like, like we're making yourself. dating we're making dating awesome. So have fun with your friend. But even if even if I guess you're in a couple, you can still you can still use the app, right? Yeah. Is, is that also is that also built into your like I guess customer experience? We don't advertise it as much because it feels like it's not on brand. To be honest, like we are trying to really target that that profile of a user that we have identified. But there are certainly people on the app who are couples seeking friendship with other couples. Um, there are people who are like. Uh, a man and a woman who are both like straight and cisgender and are seeking the same thing. Um, like they're going out as friends and want to meet other friends. So there's all kinds of couples. Um, I think, I think in the UK, there's less of that. I think the couples are more in the US. And then in the UK, it's really just like single people on teams wanting to double date. It was great talking to Julie and Danielle about how, you know, the journey of them creating this dating app just from being, you know, they were healthcare professionals themselves before. So it's really cool that they've come from that to actually building an app built around something that they faced themselves they really wanted to see in the market. So what I wanted to move to next and what I wanted to find out was, you know, while they've gone from healthcare professionals and, you know, taking that as, as now part time, what does their day to day look like in foreplay? Our day-to-day is a lot of foreplay. (laughs) (laughs) It's also super unconventional because we're best friends. So our work environment is often like cuddling up on the couch, both with our laptops (laughs) (laughs) while the TV is on. Um, But we pretty much spend most of our days at either one of our apartments um, working from the moment we wake up until probably like 6 or 7 p.m. 
Um, and then we both work um, in our healthcare roles two days a week. Sorry about that. Uh, should I say that again? I don't know if you heard. Um, we both work in our healthcare roles um, two, two days a week still. A lot of our day-to-day has shifted um, to the full focus being um, user acquisition. So in the beginning, it was a lot of building the app and beta testing the app and making sure that it was working properly and like trying to find things to make the app better. And then we realized that we're going to always want to make the app better. Um, We're definitely beyond an MVP. Uh, The app is like, a pretty amazing app. It functions nicely. We get a lot of compliments on the um, the user experience, but we stopped putting so much emphasis on the app um, in terms of like trying to fix it on a daily basis. And more of our energy now has gone to the people that we're trying to get onto the app because the greatest dating app won't exist if no one is on there to use it. So we learned a lot from our early mistakes um, when we didn't know as much. Originally, we opened up the app to be everywhere. In the world. In the world. <laughs> so that was like, you know, not not the, the most strategic move, but we didn't understand how dating apps were only opening one city at a time until we asked someone who founded a dating app and they told us. So we learned a lot from our mistakes early on. Um, we time manage way better now. Um, We schedule blocks of time to work on specific tasks. That's definitely really helpful. Anybody who's like thinking about doing a startup or taking on a big project, I think blocking out time is a really big thing. Um, And we sit and just burn through as many brain cells as possible, trying to think of the most creative and low cost ways of finding new users for the app. Well, I guess, I guess starting out, yeah that mistake of like opening up the app to literally everyone on the planet it's difficult as as well i mean it kind of adds to the difficulty because you are building something that's that's two-sided you need you need like you need basically double the amount of people to get to get people on if that makes sense like one person won't come on if if another person's not there so i guess you need to and like it doesn't just go for dating apps it goes for any sort of two-sided market that anyone's like thinking about building because you need to kind of get that original sort of audience there to attract more audience so I guess the question I want to ask is like how was the growth like during the beginning um but I guess now it's like more exponential because you are growing that two-sided market you're exactly right the growth is now exponential like before I think initially it was like a roller coaster for us initially there was this boom of excitement because we were like look at us we have users in australia oh my god we're in vietnam but it's but it's like that's not doing anything for us um so then it was a low of like we have all of these users everywhere and we have no users using the app because they can't (laughs) so um And then when we really discovered, like we said, let's take the cities that have grown the most organically. And at that point, it was London and New York City, which is really no surprise. But for some reason, we just had not expected that a city outside of our country would be one of our main cities. Like we we never thought that we could grow in London, but we decided to close off everywhere except London and New York City, and the app really continued to grow um, without even putting money into formal advertising. And then we actually began like running some inexpensive Facebook ads and Instagram ads, Google, um, and now we're hiring brand ambassadors. So hopefully we'll continue to grow in those 
cities, which is happening so much faster now. Um, and, and hopefully the wait lists grow in other places and then we can open up and in those places and know that there will be a, several people on, on the app already. That's not unusual, by the way, like actually finding an audience where your like where your immediate geographical location isn't based. Like for people who like, I guess that don't know, like Waze GPS app, like it's an Israeli company, but they found their users not not so much in Israel as much, but more in in Brazil. I've, I've read the story. It's like that's where they got most of their users from. And they didn't they didn't know why at first, but then then it's like an explanation of like the way their roads are and I guess stuff around that. But it just shows like maybe your app isn't where like maybe your product or your app or whatever isn't like specific to or like tailored for that city. That you that you that you actually physically live in, like it could be open, to, it could be better suited for London, like if anything. Um, I'm not saying it; I don't know if it is, but like as an example, right? And I, I think it's also it's scary because you when when it's another country, like it doesn't feel in your control. It feels to to me at least, it feels like I get nervous that there's like some cultural nuances that we don't understand. And what if we're not what if we're not doing something right there? What if we're being politically incorrect? Like what if like I feel that I can't control their perception in the UK over our app, but as time has gone on, we've realized that like they do like the product that we're putting out. So now we just feel as though this it must be like a cultural norm, double dating um, in the UK, and so we keep you know pushing it forward. Yeah, I would even say that just based on like the analytics that I do when I look at the teams, I feel like. I feel like I should move to London because I yeah. feel like their personalities are so aligned with my personality. I'm like, wow, this person's hilarious. And I would love to like yeah. date them or be their four play yeah. teammate. Like now we like British guys better than we like American guys. <laughs> and girls, girls, the girls are hilarious also. Yeah, we're pretty great. Um, I don't know if I should, I don't know if we should finish it there because I quite like that note or yeah, we'll finish, we'll end finish it there. I quite end like on that. A high. Yeah, we'll end on, we'll end on a high. Uh, Danielle and Julie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was such a pleasure having you on. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as well. It was a lot of fun. Uh, how can people? How can people find you know? Stay in touch with you. Stay in touch with Four Play. Go into the future. Thank you, Sina. Thanks for having us on too. Um, we'd really like to have people visit our website foreplaysocial.com or go on our Instagram at foreplaysocial. Um, and then we also would love user feedback. So if anybody gets on the app and wants to give user feedback, um, definitely email us um, at foreplaysocial. Uh, at, I'm sorry, at Danielle at foreplaysocial.com and we'll send a survey. And of course, we're available in the of course we're available on the iOS and Google Play Store. So feel free to download. So get swiping. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you so much again, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thank, right, you. thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Millennial Entrepreneur, and thank you so much for staying to the very end of the episode. It really means a lot. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a five star written review on Apple Podcasts, like Annie did at the beginning of the episode, and I'll be sure to give you a shout out in the beginning of the next episode. And if you enjoyed it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram. That's where the new episodes get announced, along with all the audio previews, all of that good stuff. So be sure to not miss an episode. Subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. See you in the next episode.